We talked last week, I started this series, I kind of blended two series together last week. Speaking of Mary and Bright and what makes this season special. And, and I, the last series we were in called Trending, we were talking about social media, we were talking about what's popular in culture. And, and, and I said, you know what, what may make a great season this year is to maybe put away the distractions, right? Maybe to be fully pre- the best present you can give is to be present with others. Let them know, you can let them know just how valuable they are by getting rid of the distractions and just being there. And and speaking of being present, you you know what? One of the best ways that you can do that and be present with people is by inviting people to come to the Christmas Eve service. We're going to have a Christmas Eve communion candlelight service at 530, and that would be a great gift to give them, family, friends, coworkers, invite them to be here and just be present together on that night, okay? But we started off with that, with our series by talking about a gift that you can give others, the gift of your presence. And today, what I want to do is I'm going to switch gears, and why not give you a gift idea to give God? Okay, like, what can you give the one, I know we say, like, what do you give the one that has everything, you know? But literally, when it comes to God, like, what do you give the one that has everything? Like, literally, not, ev- not even has everything, but created everything. Like, what do you give God? And to get us in this topic, what I want to do is I want to go back in time. So imagine for a minute, on your Christmas wish list was a time-traveling DeLorean complete with flux capacitor. How many of y'all would like that? Let me see. Wouldn't that be fun? Yes. Okay. And imagine the first trip you took in that DeLorean is you jumped in and you went back to middle school. <laughs> a big groan. That is not the first stop you would make, but that's the stop I want to take today, okay? Probably not the best experience. When you think back and you travel back in time when you were in middle school, what two or three words describe you? Were you outgoing? Were you athletic? Were you popular? Or were you like me and you would say that you were awkward and insecure at times, right? I mean, middle school? That's an odd time to, you know, work through. But here's where I want to go. When you were in that age, what were your dreams? Like, what was your plan? Like, you know, we all dream, we all have plans for what we want to see happen in our life, even at an early age. Like, what was it for you? What did you think life was going to be like when you were sitting in school and you were dreaming about being an adult? You know, when I think back to that time in my life... um, This time in my life was when I realized that I was pretty good with music, okay? I don't know if you know this. I've used this as an example a few times, but if you're new, I I just, I I remember the day in middle school when they introduced musical instruments. uh, Did y'all ever do that? Like you walk into like the auditorium and they had all these different and everybody got to try out. I really wanted to be a drummer, okay? I really wanted to drum, so I went over first thing to the drums over there, and I stood in line to practice, and then he got us all out of line, and he stood us all up there in front of him, and he said, do this. I want you to pat your head and rub your tummy. Let's try it. Everybody do it, okay? Pat your head, rub your tummy. Okay, all right. How many of y'all can do that? No problem. Let's see. All right, good. Look at all those winners out there. All right, y'all. Apparently, y'all can be drummers. How many are like me, and you find that a little bit more difficult? Let me see. All right, look at all the losers. Losers. That was me. Apparently, 
that prevents you from being a drummer? I don't know. In sixth grade, they said, sorry, you can't drum. Get out of here, kid. So I left that line and was a little confused. And I looked over and I saw the saxophone. And I was like, well, that looks kind of cool. And I went over there and actually made a sound come out of it. And the guy was like, hey, good job, kid. Here's your instrument. And that was it. And so I was stuck with a saxophone. And it turned out I was pretty good at it. I was actually, if I can toot my own horn. I... Hey, hey, listen, listen. That's not even in my notes. I just came up with that on the fly. That's how good it's getting. Okay, all right. I was pretty good at it. In fact, you know, during, in middle school, when all the... Y'all, middle school band directors, they need more love, okay? Because... That is a t- When all the other middle schoolers were just trying to make their instruments not sound like a dying animal, you know what I'm talking about? I was actually like playing scales and arpeggios and like, I mean, I was turning into a little Kenny G, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I was. In fact, I know y'all are laughing, but it's true. In fact, I was kind of good and in middle school, the high school band director was visiting one day and he heard me practicing. And he was like, you need to come play with a high school band. So in middle school, instead of going to the middle school band practice, I was actually practicing with the high schoolers, with the seniors. And I was like, moving on up, right? I mean, I was kind of, I felt like I was big stuff. Now, I wasn't just a band nerd. I played tennis as well. So, you know, a sport that a little guy can play and not get hurt, you know. So I was... I was pretty good at tennis, but not as good as I was in music. So music got all my attention, okay? And when I dreamed, so here's my point. When I was in middle school and I was dreaming of my future, when I was dreaming about what's next, when I was dreaming about what I was going to do as an adult, I really thought about music. Like, I really wanted to do something. My plan was to do something with music. And I really kind of wanted, honestly, I wanted to produce music. So when I had this picture of my life when I was daydreaming, my plan, married, couple of kids, living in a larger city, trying to find some talent, creating music, and all this was going through my mind. And I didn't really think about college or anything. It didn't, that kind of stuff didn't matter as long as I was doing music. Okay, that's my plan. That's my focus. And if I'm being really honest with you, if you were to ask me about God... I didn't really bring God into the equation a whole lot. In middle school, in high school, and even kind of beyond high school a little bit, I didn't really figure God. Now, if you asked me about God, I would say, sure, like, I love God. Like, I I want my life to be. But when it came to my future, it was my plan. And this is what I want to do. But then, God interrupted my plan. Has God ever interrupted your plans? Has God ever broke into your life and done something that you never saw coming? So when I went through middle school, traveled forward, I'm in high school, and y'all know this story. Um, My dad, as a pastor, moved my senior year of high school. And so here we are, my 12th grade year. I moved to a new place three hours away. So in that senior year, I was thrust into a new school, new tennis team, new band. So I'm in the band. I'm playing in the stands Friday night. And I notice this cute cheerleader, and she notices me. I mean, what's not to like, right? <laughs> I mean, picture me back in high school. I mean, I am a whopping five foot seven, 120 pounds, in a band uniform. I was constantly like, settle down, ladies, settle down. 
right? <laughs> Afton finds that way too funny. But anyway, I liked her. She liked me. We started dating. And this is my senior year. So, you know, if I want this plan to kind of work out and still go, I got to figure college out. Like, what am I going to do next? Where am I going to go pursue music? But I really hadn't really thought about it. So I asked Shannon. And I was like, Shannon, where are you going to college? She said, I'm going to Georgia. I said, sounds good. Me too. And that is literally how I made my college decision right there. <laughs> I didn't talk to God. I didn't talk to my parents. I went after the cute cheerleader. And I was like, where are you going to college? <laughs> so we went to college. Things started changing for me. I didn't plan to move my senior year and start from scratch with new studies, new band, new teams, all that kind of stuff. I really didn't plan to go to Georgia. I really didn't plan to fall in love with somebody so great at 17. I didn't really plan on music starting to fade. Okay, so when I got to Georgia, I started to realize, you know, music just didn't excite me like it did anymore. And that really confused me. It really did. It was my major for a year and a half. And then I started to reevaluate things. And I changed majors a couple of times. And I was just looking for something that excited me like music used to. Now, be... Being in the ministry, let me give a disclaimer, and following my dad around and moving around and all that kind of stuff, being a preacher's kid, I know that there's one thing that I did not plan on. It was going into the ministry. That was not my plan. And I'll tell you a couple of reasons why. Number one is because of all that moving, like especially having to move my senior year. Like That really jaded me a little bit when it came to ministry, right? So I was like, that is not for me. Also, a fear of public speaking, still struggle with that at times, you know, did not, back then, whew, did not want to do that. And then to top it all off, Shannon, the love of my life, the one that I'm now engaged to, like I told her specifically, don't worry, I'm not going to be a preacher, <laughs> right? Shouldn't have said that, because God was listening, and he was like, oh, yeah? <laughs> so I told God no for the longest time. I'm not even going to consider it, not part of the plan, but now everything's different. And I still remember the day that I was sitting on my couch in college, in the apartment, had no plan. My plan was not turning out, I didn't know what the plan was, and I gave my life over and said, God, I'm willing to be interrupted here. I'm going to make myself available. I'm going to give myself to your plan. Please, please take my life and I'll follow what your plan is. Now, if you had told me at an early age that I was going to be doing this, I would have told you, no way. But what I found out in that moment was that God doesn't mind interrupting our plans with his plans. In fact, he wants to. And I'm not saying it's wrong to have plans in our lives. It's not wrong to have plans. Like, you should set godly goals. Like, that, that's a great thing. But what I'm trying to say is we can't let our plans be the plans, right? we got to be available we got to be willing to be interrupted. 
And this is something that Jesus taught us. Let, let me take you to the beginning of the book of Matthew. We're going to get into some scripture here. When Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray, he gave this example, right? He didn't necessarily, I don't think he actually gave us the Lord's Prayer so that we would just recite it word for word and not think about it. It was given to us as an example of what to say and how to be in prayer to God. And in this example, he starts off this way. He says, your kingdom come. You know this part in the prayer, right? When we pray, we're praying that God's kingdom comes, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your plan, God, is what I want, that we would replace our will with our heavenly Father's will. And so what I'm, what I'm getting at here is that we have to be willing to be interrupted. And when we are, this is how we see miracles happen. Right? This is the way that God accomplishes more in our life. We have to be in tune with God so that we can understand his will for our lives. So everybody asks, you know, like, like how do I know God's will? Like, what, what can I do to know God's will? And I guarantee you know what I'm about to say. Two, two big things, they're not even in your points, because it, you already know what the preacher's going to say. And number one is to be in his word, right? To know scripture, like, if you want to know what somebody is like and they wrote a memoir, you would read that work, right? And yet, Scripture is so much more than just that. Scripture teaches us. It guides us. It instructs us on who God is and what it means to live out this life. Like, you want to know more about God and what he expects? Read his word. And the second thing you got to do is you got to spend time with them. Like, you can't know about someone unless you spend time. If I needed something and I needed to know more about you, what I would do is I'd try to schedule a lunch with you, right? And if I needed to learn more, I would try to get on your calendar every week, right, to make this happen. Why? Because I need to be in your presence. Like, I need to be with you. You know how this works. If you want to know more about God, about what he wants, then you got to carve some time out and make that important to be with him, okay? But you know these things. You know that's what the preacher's going to say. I shouldn't even have to say those things, right? But there's one more thing. One more thing you can do. And that thing is just to be available. Be available. Be willing to be interrupted. Because you know what I've noticed is some of the best moments are when God interrupts me. Right? Allowing for those interruptions... When we do that, it's a way of making ourselves available to God. So if you want to have a merry and bright Christmas, like we were saying, do this, do this. Just make yourself available during the day, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever your plans are. Give it over to God. Be willing to allow him to interrupt you and see what happens. So let's tie this story now. Let's tie all of this to the Christmas story. Because when we look at the manger, there's always a few main players that jump out and grab our attention, right? One of those is Mary. Now, Mary, the reason I started in your middle school, if we were traveling back and thinking about plans for our lives, is because that's about the time that this happened for Mary. Think about Mary at that age. What were her dreams? Like, what was she thinking about when she imagined life, when she imagined her fiancé, Joseph, and everything that was ahead of them? What was she thinking? What were the dreams that she had? Because God interrupts her. And when he does, it was complicated. And it was messy. And I would go so far as to say that it was even scandalous, right? But God sees this big picture. 
And there came a moment in this story where Mary traded her will for God's will, her plan for God's plan. And she made herself available. So let's read this together. Here, here we go. We're going to read this through real quick. It says this. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin Mary, engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Congratulations, favored lady, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be frightened, Mary, the angel told her. For God has decided to wonderfully bless you. Very soon now you will become pregnant and you'll have a baby boy and you're going to name him Jesus. He shall be very great and shall be called the Son of God. And the Lord God shall give him the throne of his ancestor David and he shall reign over Israel forever. His kingdom shall never end. Mary asked the angel, how can I have a baby? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit shall come upon you and the power of God shall overpower you. The baby born to you will be utterly holy, the son of God. And Mary said, I am the Lord's servant and I am willing to do whatever he wants. May everything you said come true. And then the angel disappeared. Now again, you know this story. You've heard this story. You could tell this story without reading it right now, right? You know this story. Well, what's going on with Mary? Have you ever thought about Mary's point of view in this story? Being so young, most people believe that she's just a teenager at this point, And she only asks one question when God interrupts her. And she says, how is this going to happen? How? Just one. I don't know about you, but I would not just have one question. I would have a lot of questions like, um, can you talk to my parents? Because I'm pretty sure they're going to have questions when I become pregnant. So young, right? Like, how is that going to work? Can, can you do something, God, about all the gossip? Because once this hits Facebook, this is going to kind of explode, right? Can, can you help me out with everybody in town? And what about my future? Like, what I had planned next. Like, how is all this going to work and being engaged? But she didn't do that. And we know the story. Like I said, you know the story. God's plan, way better than whatever Mary could dream of. So to top it all off, she just says yes. She says, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. May it be. You know, when I read the Bible, when you read the Bible, when you read those stories... Everybody that has that response to God of just being available, it always works out better. In fact, God actually makes a promise in Scripture that there are better things for those that make their lives available. Look at this next verse that comes from 1 Corinthians 2.9. puts it this way. He says, What God has planned for people who love Him is more than eyes have seen or ears have heard. It has never even entered our minds. It's so much better. His plan is so much better than your plan. His little interruptions in your life, you think it's a distraction and you don't know what to do and you, you don't see how all this is going to work, but it's way better than anything that you have ever even thought about. I love it. You know, going back to me in middle school, if you would have told me in middle school of, of how life worked out of going to school and going to seminary, having the chance to plant a church, I would have said, you're crazy. <laughs> That's never going to happen. I'm so glad I was willing to be interrupted. And Mary, 
I'm so glad Mary was interrupted and she followed God's will. You know what I'm also glad? I'm also glad of all the stories we have of Jesus. You know, Jesus was always interrupted. Jesus always made himself available to whatever the Father wanted him to do. We got examples of this over and over and over again. Uh, like, like the time the children were brought to Jesus. You remember that story? He's out there teaching. And y'all, this was a terrible inconvenience back in his time. Children weren't a part of that at all. And yet they're trying, the parents are trying to bring their children to, to just see Jesus and to be near Jesus. And Jesus allows the interruption. And we have that story of the blessing of Jesus sitting with the children. Another time was when a father came to Jesus and asked him to come to his home because his daughter was dying. And he just knew, he had the faith. He was like, Jesus, I just know if you come to, the, to my house and you see my daughter, you can heal her of this disease. But you got to come quick because things are fading fast. And so Jesus hurrying along the roads, he's walking with this father and they are hurrying to the house because time is of the essence when a woman comes out of nowhere and grabs his robe. Do you remember this story? And when she does, she is miraculously healed. But Jesus stops because of this interruption. He stops, he turns around, and he's like, who touched me? And the disciples are like, what do you mean, who touched you? There's a crowd of people. We're in streets. If you've ever been in Jerusalem, you'd see how narrow these streets are. He's like, what do you mean? We can't stop right now. We've got to go. But Jesus allows the interruption. And he turns around, and he has this sweet moment with this lady and heals her. And while he allowed this interruption, somebody comes running from Jairus' home to tell him that his daughter has died. And they told him, they said, don't even bother Jesus anymore. It's too late. And you can't help but wonder, because of this interruption, they didn't make it in time. So if you know the story, of course, Jesus continues walking to Jairus' house. He gets there, and we have that beautiful moment of him raising that girl from the dead. Two miracles in the same story. Another time, Jesus was teaching in a home. He's got this crowd. Everybody's there. They're all paying attention when all of a sudden, four bozos start cutting a hole in the roof. And they're trying desperately to get to Jesus. And this was their best idea. I love that story. Those guys were so desperate for their friend that they lower him through the roof to Jesus. And Jesus allows the interruption. And he heals the paralytic. And we have that wonderful story. But the best story of all is when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's the night before he's going to be arrested. And he is praying and he is worried and he knows the plan that's ahead. And he doesn't necessarily want to go along with the Father's plan because he knows what's up. And in his prayer, we see the human side of Jesus come out because he prays and he says, God, take this away from me. Take the cup away from me. Take this away from me. But, he says, and here's his words... Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And then just three verses later, he follows it up again. Your will be done. Not my plan. Not what I would want in this moment. But God, what I want more than anything is to follow your plan. See, not only did he teach being available to the Father, he lived it. 
And when the father needed him, he was there. When people needed him, he was willing to be interrupted. He didn't fuss when the roof was torn apart. He didn't fuss when the woman stopped him on the road. He didn't fuss when the children wanted to come sit with him. He allowed this. He was available. And God used those interruptions. So if you want to give God a great gift this Christmas season, make yourself available. Maybe let that be your gift to God, right? Let him know, let him know each day you're going to allow him some time to move and to work. You're going to be responsive. You're going to be paying attention. You know, when I think about this topic, I always think about those moments that I may have missed. Those moments in life when I'm not available. And I know I use the big moment, like that big life-turning kind of moment where I gave my life over to God and I was like, use me, and he took me to me. I know that's like, that's like a big example, but what I'm talking about are those daily moments where I don't let God interrupt me, where I don't make myself available in all those moments that I miss. Because I don't know about y'all, but I am a very detailed person. I like lists. Do y'all like lists? Anybody in here like lists? Do you like crossing things off your list? Let me see. You like crossing things? Yeah. Okay. Have you ever done this? Are you crazy like me and you have written something on the list just so you could cross it off? You've already done it. Yeah? Okay. That's how crazy I am. I've actually done that before. But when I do that, a lot of times it's my agenda, it's my plan. I don't want to be interrupted because I need to get through all of this. But it's when I loosen up and allow God control of my day, that's when I find the amazing moments. This past week, one of my church members, one of our church members, told me this story about how she had gone into the store to get some poinsettias. And she went in and she, she told me after last week's message, she was like, I was just going to make myself present. I just wanted to be present. And thinking about this message, she was like, I'm just going to make myself available. Now, I don't know about you, but that is not how I approach the store. I approach the store like an army ranger trying to extract someone from enemy grounds, right? Like, I want to get in and get out as quick as possible. But she goes in, and she is making herself available when she does. She strikes up a conversation with another lady that's also buying poinsettias, and they talk. And she finds out from this lady that she is celebrating her first Christmas of being cancer-free. And that her son was actually her blood marrow donor. And she stood in the aisle and she said, they just both had tears running down their face. And she texted me and she said, being present in that moment was such a blessing. You see, it's those moments of being available, of allowing those interruptions. That's how God works. That's when we have those unforgettable moments. So how do you give God that gift of availability? Do these three things real quick. I'm not going to spend much time on them. Be open. Just be open. Be open throughout the day. Leave opportunities for God to just break through in your day. Make some time for the divine. Number two, be faithful. Be faithful. Show God you're faithful. When he moves, when he interrupts, don't write it off. Don't shirk away from the responsibility, don't run away from it, be faithful, trust him and see what happens. And then the last thing is be courageous, be courageous, even when it's awkward, even if you got to have some courage to be able to go through with whatever you feel the spirit is moving in your day, show some courage. You see, Mary was all of these things, and because she was, her story's in the nativity. See, I believe that these things 
These things will open up amazing opportunities for you as well. They'll create wonderful moments in your life. So if you want to have a merry and bright Christmas, try giving God that gift. Just be available.